You're listening to the True Life Church Podcast. Sermons are recorded at our Sunday gatherings from Melbourne, Florida. True Life Church guides people to take the next steps in their relationship with Jesus Christ, to grow, belong, and serve. We hope this audio message encourages you to take your own next steps in faith. If you'd like to know more about our church or attend one of our gatherings, find us online at www.truelifemelbourne.com. Today's message comes from lead pastor Joshua Smith. Again, welcome to True Life Church. Um, we're glad you're here, uh, men, on this Father's Day. What a great day to be together, right? And uh, also for us all, it's a great day to be reminded of the Father we all have in, uh, in God. And um, I'm thankful for that. You know, I don't know if you ever thought about Father's Day that way, um, but uh, it's a way for us to continue showing, showing honor and, um, and worship to our Heavenly Father as well. We are in a series in Acts, and uh, last week we talked about Peter and, and John and chapter uh, 2 and 3 and, and a guy that we just called Bill. Uh, if you remember Bill, and yes, that is what the podcast's title says, in case you're curious, just Bill, um, a man who uh, Peter and John uh, said, look at us, and he was lame from birth, he was 40 years old. I said, stand up and walk, and they raised him, and he went from, from lame to leaping, jumping up and down, and the Pharisees and, and the Sadducees, if you remember the dad joke from last week, they weren't happy about it because they were sad, you see. Um, and I'll keep bringing that up, and uh, Ben's over there, he's like, no, don't do it, oh, he did it, oh, uh, can't help it, <clears throat> it's Father's Day, give me an out, um, the dad joke's becoming. Uh, and so there, they, we just called Bill, and Bill's standing there as Exhibit A, evidence of what God had done, and it's pretty undeniable. And they had asked Peter and John to just stop talking about this Jesus, to which their response was, in short, nope, nope, nuh-uh. And uh, so they are continuing here, and we're going to pick up the this, this story uh, in just a few moments. But our, our points from last week... Uh, where, where Lord, uh, take us from lame to leaping. That there is something uh, d- dead, made dead in sin in our life, something that is lame or existed or atrophied or gone on for far too long. It could even be 40 years, and it's time for that dead thing to come to life in Jesus' name. Um, Peter and John took no credit of it. And they said, no, this is all because of what God has done and who Jesus is. And they used every opportunity, every platform that they were given to promote and proclaim the name of Jesus above themselves. So, Lord, take us from lame to leaping. Secondly, Lord, increase our faith. Uh, I hope that that's a prayer of ours, that we are asking for increasing measures of faith, increasing opportunities to learn to trust, increasing time to seek after him with all of our heart. And then finally, Lord, may we become bold. And after Peter and John were released from prison, after all this had gone down, you know, you might think that the early church breathed a sigh of relief. Whew, I'm just glad they're out of prison. Nope, they actually prayed for more boldness, that they may continue in preaching and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ with that degree of enthusiasm and authenticity. 
And so those were some things we talked about from last week. And so we're going to pick up now in the end of chapter 4, where we left off now in verse 32 through 37. So I invite you to stand for the next few verses out of reverence for God's word as we read it together. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart, and if you recall, uh, 5,000 were added that day, so the church is now thousands. And so the full member of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Before we continue in our scripture in today's message, let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we turn our hearts to you again this morning uh, on this Father's Day. I pray that we are uh, repentant and a reconciled people, that we uh, come to you humbly, uh, seeking your mercy and knowing uh, the hope that is found in Jesus Christ, uh, which should bring a smile to our hearts. Um, God, in the reading of this word and the teaching of the scriptures this morning, I pray that your will be done and that we would leave changed for your glory, transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we might be a better representation of your kingdom in the world. Amen. Have a seat. So, a number of weeks ago, I said we were going to try to cover Acts in about 13 or 14 weeks. Uh, We aren't. Uh, Newsflash, we're going to stretch that out a bit. What we are talking about and where we're going is simply uh, too valuable um, for us to just try to cover in 13 weeks. Um, so it's not going to be, you know, in through next year, maybe. But uh, we're going to spend some time in Acts, uh, breaking not necessarily chapter by chapter. Some days we may look at just, you know, eight to ten verses. Uh, the next week we may look at two to three chapters as a chunk uh, as the story progresses forward. So we're not necessarily going to be chapter by chapter, but we are going to be chronological through uh, this book of Acts. And so again, I just invite you to be reading that uh, at your homes um, together so it'll, when we come back together every weekend... As just hopefully just a, another moment of remembering, oh yeah, this is coming up. Oh, I can't wait for how we're going to get into this moment and, that, and talking about that together as this group. The beauty of the Word of God is that it is alive and active, uh, unchanging, yet changing us. We can honestly spend a month or more on some of these passages, especially today, uh, from the verses that we're about to look at and learn so much through scriptural study. So today's message, as well as most, if not all, of my sermons, they aren't meant to be the end-all, be-all of that passage, you know, um, that we've learned all we need to from it. We can check that little box and now move on. Congratulations, you have now downloaded Acts chapter 2, move forward. It, do, it doesn't work that way. Um, so my prayer is that uh, you will then, out of today's message, continue in the scripture study of where we're at this morning and have some dinner time discussions and coffee conversations 
this week on this passage to seek the Lord and let the Spirit guide and convict us where we need to grow. Again, it is uh, Father's Day, and um, a simple prayer I have for us this morning is that the church does not burn down as it attempted to do on Mother's Day. So, um, enough said. So we get out of here with the building in one piece today. I call that a win. That goes, that goes in that column. Also, I, I pray that we get out of here in one piece today. Also, that we leave encouraged and convicted uh, through what the Word of God is, is going to tell us. Men, some of the things today, I just encourage you as a father, as a leader in, in the home, as a spiritual leader in the home, um, to, to really listen to some of the things in today's passage because a lot um, is on your shoulders. Uh, the good news is that God designed you in a way that you are meant to handle it if you are up for the task. So let's continue now in Acts chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 11 will be the rest of our passage in Acts today. This be, may be a passage that you have heard before or read before, uh, probably even studied before, would be fantastic. But I wanted to start off at the end of Acts chapter 4 because of what had been going on. Uh, people were sharing everything that they had. Uh, they were selling property, selling homes, and coming and laying it at the apostles' feet. And then the apostles hoarded it all from themselves and bought $17 million mansions and built a giant 16-campus megachurch. No, okay, so that's, that's not what happened, you know. The disciples um, shared with all whatever had need. Um, so w- word of caution for us, just uh, as a church, um, our goal is obviously never wealth. In fact, right now, we are barely scraping by. We're meeting our needs, and that's about it. So I'm thankful for that. God has proven himself faithful in the past, so here we are. Um, there are other churches, and I'm not going to name names, and it's not about pointing fingers, but I'm sure you can think of a few that are pretty darn well off. I just want to call that out as possibly a, a problem. And obviously, it's not our goal here at True Life Church. We want to model this example to meet each other's needs. In order to do that, though, we have to be sharing everything with each other, sharing life together. Uh, Maybe you're in a life group. Maybe you're not. Maybe it's time to join one. Maybe that is your next step. Uh, Maybe you're giving here financially, but maybe you are not tithing. Uh, Biblically, we'd encourage you to do that, the 10%, and maybe that is your next step. and so we're gonna, that's where we're going to be spending some time later on in today's message. And so the example had kind of been made out that this is what was popular, this is what everybody is doing, and that this is kind of almost what was expected. They were sharing everything, selling everything, and then giving everything that was sold, laying at the apostles' feet, and then they would distribute to all so that no one had need of anything. But now in verse 1 of chapter 5, A man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. Now up to this point, we're just in verse 1, sounds just like the guy who came before this, Joseph, who is called by name. You know, uh, of Cyprus, a Levite, he sold this big property and and laid all the money at the apostles' feet. And it it might seem, that was good, that was a good idea, I will mimic their sacrifice. I will mimic their offering. Some. When a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why 
has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. And when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard of it. And young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now, there's no such thing as Facebook or social media or, you know, website news or whatever back in the day. So after an interval of about three hours, because his wife was probably starting to wonder, and he hadn't called me back. You know, that last text message says delivered and read, and he has not replied. Where is he? So she goes down to, to church a few hours later, uh, three hours, and not knowing what had happened, not knowing that her husband had already kicked the bucket. Peter said to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And here was her opportunity to come clean. Up until this point, we'll read later in Ephesians, she had technically done her biblical obligation. She had submitted to her husband, albeit her husband's bad leadership. Here was her opportunity to come clean. Did you sell this for so much? And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And when the young men came in, they found her dead. And they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Wow. That's a fun passage today, huh? <laughs> oh, Ananias and Sapphira. These are, are two names that are uh, biblically iconic with giving some instead of all. In the creation... We have a, a, almost an inversion of this story. If you reflect back to Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are in the garden. And you have an Eve who takes a fruit and an Adam who does nothing. And shares in that moment. And together, they are disobedient and deceitful. Disobedient and deceitful. So they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They did what they shouldn't have done, and then they lied about it. We have Adam's inaction, absence of leadership, and passing the blame. At the creation of the church now, almost a similar and parallel story to remind us of the Genesis, if you will, that deceitfulness and disobedience cannot stand in the presence of the Lord. Yay! Here we have Ananias and Sapphira, who are both disobedient and deceitful. 
please don't raise your hands, but have you ever known anybody like this? Yeah. If I did ask, probably all hands would go up. Some hands may be a reflection of the person holding them. Because you know who of you have been in the past or who you were before Christ. It's never just a lie, is it? It's always covering something else up. It's always disobedience and deceit. I want to talk to you today about withholding. Here in this story, we have Ananias and Sapphira who had the opportunity to give all and yet gave some. Who were disobedient and deceitful. I also love that Luke does not give us the exact amount of what the property was worth. Because you know that would have had inevitably led to us arguing about that. Like, had the amount been in here, we could have then argued, well, you know, it's 50000 Well, they gave 48000 of $50,000. That's pretty darn good. How much was it that they held back? That's not, so much, that's not such a bad percentage, is it? You know, we'd be okay with, with 94%. And so we would give ourselves gray area to fail God's word and be disobedient and also deceitful. The world is happy with most. You can get by in your life with most. If you are mostly good at your job, you will keep it. If you are mostly kind to others, you will have a good amount of friends. If you are mostly a good manager of your money, you will have most of your money. You can get by in the world with most. The problem is that God does not want nor deserve most or some. The only answer is all. So we would be arguing about the amount if it had been in there, and so I'm thankful to God and His, his never-ending wisdom that the amount is not in there because we'd be picking and choosing at it. And argue basing even theology or doctrinal practices over it's it's okay to do such. The amount is not in there, and I'm thankful for it. She said yes for so much. We would ask how much like it matters. Does it matter how much? Could have been five bucks. And they gave four fifty. That exchange would make most of us mostly happy. But again, that's not what God wants nor deserves, is all. I was in Jimmy John's earlier this week with Lance. We were grabbing some, some lunch. It was last, last Sunday, we went out to lunch at the, at the Jimmy John's. Silent yay. <laughs> and we were having a sandwich. Actually, I had a sandwich. He had this tie wrap because the lady would not take no for an answer, and he caved. That was true. Like she's, she's like, he's like, I want this sandwich. No, no, no. What you really want is this new Thai chicken wrap. 
yeah, like, these aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids I'm looking for. No, like, she, there was something magical happening. Lance ended up getting this chicken wrap. I stayed resolute. Got the number nine. She could not sway my conviction. <clears throat> anyway, so we're eating uh, lunch there at Jimmy John's. And if you've never been in a Yimmy John's, there are a lot of signs. And a whole bunch of different funny ones, a whole bunch of different weird ones and obnoxious ones. And there was one sign that caught my eye, mostly because it was at the direction of right behind Lance's head. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at Lance's head and, and reading the sign behind. And, and, the, and like we're having conversation, and then out of, out of kind of nowhere, I just kind of got off on a rabbit trail. I'm like, that'll make you think. So he's like, the Thai chicken rat? Like what? Like, like no, there, there's the sign behind. He's like, he's like oh, yeah, well, there's the sign. Yeah, so that's my Lance impression. There you go. Um, <laughs> And the sign, interestingly enough, in Jimmy John said, the gap between more and enough never closes. I call that food for thought. The gap between more and enough never closes. And this is exactly where we're at today in this passage. Ananias and Sapphira... We will keep some for ourselves. We want more. But is it enough? <laughs> That's how it ended. I want to pick on our men a little bit today, not out of boo-hoo, but out of an encouragement. Uh, men, who does the blame lie with for most of this passage? Let's be honest. Is it Sapphira or Ananias? Scripturally, it's Ananias. He sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself. So he involved her in the plot, but the decision and the leadership was his. The responsibility as head of the household was his. To do right or not to do right. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 33. We have read this before, so I'm not going to linger long here. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 33 says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And again, the first part of that, you could argue that Sapphira did that. Was it right what Ananias did? No. She had her chance to come clean. She, she didn't. We've been there. Husbands now... In verse 25, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church, the bride, to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Men, did Ananias give an opportunity to present his wife Sapphira in this way? No, she was stained because of what she had been corrupted in with, with the deceit and the disobedience. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. 
And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It's a harsh word when we especially apply it to Acts chapter 5. Turn with me now to Proverbs chapter 3. First seven verses there. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 21. Solomon is writing as a father in this passage and hopes that his son would learn and apply what he is saying. And on this Father's Day, again, I, I, I reflect on my own sons. You know, I, I can't help but want them... My greatest desire for them is to grow up and know the Lord personally as their Lord and Savior and know that they are saved, bought with the price, the blood of Jesus Christ, and have an eternity because of that salvation with God. That is my greatest hope. Not that they turn out like me, not that they don't turn out like me, but what I can do is I can model for them the best I can as they grow up the type of man that I would want them to be. I am imperfect at that, but I try. So Solomon here, uh, as the wisest king of Israel, of Israel's history, wisdom given by God, he's writing to his son here. This is uh, a letter now, if you will, directly addressed to his son. So read this with me as if it was you as his child. My son, do not lose sight of these. Keep sound wisdom and discretion, and they will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely, and your foot will not stumble. If you lie down, you will not be afraid, and when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Here we are in verse 27. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power. To do it. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. And I think we could make the argument this morning that Ananias and Sapphira were withholding good when they knew what they should do. For more on that, turn with me to the book of James in the New Testament. Bounce around a little bit. James in the New Testament. Chapter 4, 13 through 17. I'll give you a moment to turn there. James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, and spend a year there, and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist, <laughs> a mist, from the video this morning, catch fog, but I missed. For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, and all such boasting is evil. Verse 17, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. 
And this one little verse unpacks a lot for us here, again reflecting on Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. There are two problems, two conundrums that are facing our world, our nation, and our churches, our Christ-following peoples today. One, one challenge is on one hand, people do not know the right thing to do. James says that if you know the right thing to do and fail to do it, for him it is a sin. Some people don't know the right thing to do. And that is a failure of the leader in the home. It's where it begins. Our country is broken because our homes are broken. You may be part of some of those relationships and can speak firsthand into the brokenness that I'm talking about. You know it. I don't have to explain it to you. And it hurts. It's painful. Men, again, this is an encouragement for myself and for you. Some of you budding young men in here, not yet married or newly married, know the right thing to do. Where do we find the right thing to do? If you're holding a Bible... You have it. Learn the book. Read the book. Apply the book. This is the right thing to do. And if you do not know this, you will not be able to lead your families well at all, much less in a godly manner. So that's on one hand is a failure in the home. Husbands and wives, model this for your children. Teach what the right thing is to do. May your discipline be appropriate and not withheld so that when they grow up, as Proverbs says, spare the rod and spoil the child and train a child up in the way he should go and when he gets older he will not depart from it. Discipline is necessary. And in the culture, paraphrasing now something that Pastor Vadi Bakum said in a separate message, in a culture that, that withholds discipline, at some point all discipline looks like abuse. It is not. We discipline out of love. My boys needed discipline a couple of nights ago. I'm not listening and not cleaning up their room. Here comes Daddy. My wife would hopefully back me up on this. I love my sons. Like, like nothing else, I love them. And I want the best for them. I want them to know what the right thing to do is. So that when he learns to listen, when they learn to listen the first time, in a simple thing like cleaning their room, if we're out on the roadway and he makes the wrong step and a car is coming, my hope is that he will listen the first time to get out of the road. So I'm trying to teach my children along with my wife, to listen the first time. Caleb, we have, we have two sons, if you're unaware, we have Landon, who's four, almost five. We have Caleb, who's two, will be three in September. And I'm not picking on him. Landon 
is, is, was very vocal from a, from a young age. Complete sentences, really smart, counted to 100, probably got my, my wife's side of the gene pool. Caleb is, has a heart of gold and wears his emotions very vividly on his face. Is, is less verbal than, than Landon, uh, but says, O'Day for okay. To be honest, I'll miss it when he learns how to say it the right way. It's one of those moments. So I'm, I'm telling my sons how I'm like, it's time to clean up, it's time to clean up. And he's not cleaning up, it's time to clean up, it's time to clean up, he's not cleaning up. And then dads, on this Father's Day, we turn on the dad voice. Uh, it comes standard with the basic package. Uh, when you become one, uh, you get an upgrade and equipped to dad voice. Uh, 1.0, possible updates in software or firmware are out there. Uh, I'm on dad 3.5. Some of you may be dad 9.0. But regardless, you get the dad voice. And so the dad voice comes on. And the simple, oh day, oh day, from, from Caleb becomes, oh day, oh day, oh day. <laughs> like, I told you to clean up. And, oh day, oh day, oh day, oh day. Like, I, I, haven't even, I haven't even, like, laid a hand or touched him yet. I'm just trying to chase him, and he's already crying. You know, like, my goodness. Like, I, I haven't even got a chance to give you a hug or just or sit you down and do the talking thing that we do. And, oh, oh day, oh day, oh day. I'm trying to teach him the right thing to do so that he knows what he should do. In our homes, we need to be teaching the right thing to do. And yes, husbands, men, fathers, the weight does fall on you. Biblically, it's unavoidable. But again, God has designed you for such a task. The second problem facing us with the Ananias and Sapphira, as well as the James pastors this morning, is the people who now know what to do and fail to do it. Problem number two. My prayer is that as we mature in Christ, as we understand His Word, when we know what the right thing to do is, we should do it. And not withhold it. Hebrews chapter 10, 24, you don't have to turn here, just one verse says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Let's encourage each other to do what is right, to know what is right, and follow through with it, not withhold it. For whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. Ananias and Sapphira knew the right thing to do. It had been modeled for them. And they failed to do it. Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of sin is death. And they found that out quickly. And the hard way. And the result of that was that the whole church was filled with great fear. Not once, but twice. With Ananias and then Sapphira. Can you imagine the double whammy that would have been? Wow. They weren't necessarily filled with fear for the apostles. It was fear for the Lord. That the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. They weren't unaware that there was a New Testament at that point. They were living this. hadn't been written down yet. Same God. 
We are called to the same right living, right loving, and obedience. A righteous and holy fear moved throughout the church. Do we have that fear of God this morning? That righteous and holy fear? I hope we do. Because this is still our God. Solomon writes again in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I believe at this point the church got wise. Or began getting wise. And we're going to read about that in the coming chapters and passages. We're going to see the fruit of that. When their perspective of God was right. And when they gave God all instead of some. We're going to tie this up with Matthew chapter 22. We read this a few weeks ago. But we're going to return there again. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40. Jesus is being confronted by a lawyer of all people. The Pharisees are gathered together listening. And they ask him this question to try to pin Jesus, to try to catch him in a, in a verbal typo and have an excuse to prosecute him. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? Out of all ten, which one are you going to name is the mostest, bestest? And then somewhere we'll get him on the other nine. <laughs> and he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second, like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And justly, we cannot have all ten and, and not be also then summed up with this. If we are loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, we will keep the Sabbath. We will give our first fruits. If we are loving our neighbor as ourselves, we will not covet or be jealous or commit adultery or whatever else is going on. So Jesus answered, and obviously they don't have really a response to that, so they begin asking other questions. My prayer for us this morning is that we listen to the Holy Spirit to guide and convict each one of us. My prayer is that the Holy Spirit is, is moving in this place in your hearts, that somewhere throughout this message might feel like your shoulder may have been tapped saying, you know what that thing is to do and you haven't been doing it. You know what is right and you've been deceitful. Jesus didn't say here to love the Lord your God with most of your heart and with most of your soul and with most of your mind, but all. And for us today, even in our homes, all matters. Men, to be loving your families and your wives with all of your heart as you love God. For here in our church, you may, be, you may have been giving 
financially some, but not all. Now, am I asking you to sell your house? No. But if the Lord tells you to, yes. And as you give, are you giving cheerfully? Are you giving all? Are you giving some? I find it interesting every summer in the eight years of the history of True Life Church that our financial giving always takes a dip in the summer. By a lot. Like thousands of dollars. Every summer. Every month. Now, if we give faithfully, why is that? I'll just leave that there. This isn't a financial conversation today. You may even be serving here in a ministry, but maybe not with your whole heart. You might even feel obligated to do it because no one else will. And if you don't do that thing, then that thing won't happen. And I would stress to you this morning that that thing probably doesn't have to happen. But the most important thing we come to do together is worship the Lord and read His Word. Coffee is a bonus. Child care is a bonus. TVs with words on them are a bonus. Air conditioning is a bonus. That's a big bonus in Florida. I get you. I'm up here in a coat. It's a bonus. I don't want you serving here out of obligation or necessity, but with a cheerful and joyful heart, giving all and ready to say, I will serve today. I will lead today, and I'm happy to do it in this body of Christ. You may be leading in your homes, but not with your best. You might be getting most accomplished, but not all. You might be doing Bible study on most days, personally, but not all. You might be praying in most opportunities, but not all. And my challenge for us today, especially leaning a little bit harder on our men, is don't settle for most. My prayer is that we let God shape our hearts this week and withhold nothing. Withhold no love in our families. Withhold no opportunity to lead. Withhold no opportunity to read the word. Withhold no opportunity to worship. Withhold no opportunity to give. Withhold no offering. Withhold no forgiveness. Withhold no hugs or high fives. Withhold no time to God and to each other. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. This weekly podcast is a ministry of True Life Church. If you'd like to help keep these audio sermons available, you can support our ministry online at www.truelifemelbourne.com forward slash give. 
Until next time, may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.